All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome in to Daily Face Off Live, your go to source for everything hockey. Live every weekday at noon Eastern. The final four is set with the Dallas Stars moving on last night. We are getting close to the end of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Welcome into Daily Face Off Live. I'm Tyler Rumtrick. He is our NHL insider, Frank Saravalli. And today's show is brought to you by Botano. The game starts now at Botano. .ca. Frank, not exactly the most dramatic of Game 7s last night until about the last 18 seconds, but nonetheless, Game 7s are fun. Yeah, I mean, a low-event game, but I don't mind that at all. Yeah, a defensive showdown. Pete DeBoer's team's now 7-0 and in Game 7, so let's throw 2 minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and kick off today's show, well, with that. The Dallas Stars round out the Final Four in the NHL. They are on to the Western Conference Finals to take on the Vegas Golden Knights, and here's how they did it. A 2-1 victory, 22 stops for Jake Ottinger, who delivered one of his best performances of the series, and man, how about the two goal scorers for Dallas as well? Rupe Hintz. We'll talk about round two MVPs in a little bit. And the rookie, Wyatt Johnson, maybe one of the least talked about stud rookies in this year's class, Frank. It really felt like, though, a classic Dallas Stars win. When they're at their best, they will stifle offense. They will grind and wear you down and rely on Jay Gottinger to have a 950. That's at least how I read the game. What about you? Yeah, very similar. And that's what makes them, I think, a really dangerous threat to take home the Stanley Cup when it's all said and done is I think they're a team that's really well positioned with their style of play for playoff success. They may not be the best regular season team, but I think they're one of those teams that has focused really clearly on winning in the postseason. And we watched this goal from Wyatt Johnson on loop like it is 
so ridiculously good. First off, not entirely sure why Philip Grubauer chooses the RVH. And, you know, I think that should be, that's like the poster child for death of the RVH for me. If you're a goaltending nerd, Mike McKenna can comment on that later this week. But Johnson, honestly, I have a hard time picking, you know, who's the bigger surprise in the playoffs. Is it Rupe Hintz, who, who has been a, a playoff performer in the past and certainly has made his name uh, this postseason? Or is it Johnson? Like you think of the, the fact that he now has the series clincher in back-to-back -back rounds. He did it last round in round one with the Stars when he was 19. He turned 20 uh, earlier this week. And he just like, it's, he hasn't been talked about nearly enough. Someone that bursts into this, onto the scene with a 24 goal season, uh, a late first round pick that not really many had on their radar to be an, a contributor to the Stars this season, let alone in this type of capacity. So uh, just another feather in the cap of Jim Nill and his scouting staff in terms of how well they've drafted, uh, hitting on someone like Johnson. But man, Rupe Hintz is just, that guy's a player. And they've done it all in a series where they got basically next to no contribution from Jason Robertson. Two goals in the entirety of the postseason so far for their leading scorer. That just another testament that it takes everyone on the team to pull on the rope. Yeah, 100%. And the depth in Dallas definitely starting to come through, led by, of course, Johnson. I wonder, Frank, heading into that Western Conference final, like you talked about Robertson, if that guy can finally find his game. Jake Ottinger was not great on the series as a whole against the Kraken. If those two specifically get going and Johnson and Hintz are still rolling, Vegas is going to have their hands full. Yeah, they will, but I like Vegas's five-on-five play. I like the fact that they're really kind of unflappable. They're experienced. They're disciplined. There's a lot to like about Vegas, too, and it's going to be a heck of a series. It may not be the most high-event series. It may not uh, you know, be all that exciting. People are going to say this is a boring Western Conference final. Like, I think if you're a hockey fan, this is a legitimate Titanic matchup. Remember to bet the under, Frank. Thank you for uh, for that note as we uh, get set for Vegas and Dallas. Uh, let's talk about the team that was on the losing side of that game last night. But hey, they made it so interesting at the end. 18.6 seconds to go. They score, and then they get the offensive zone faceoff with nine seconds to go. And then it was just a shot from Vince Dunn that pittered off into the corner, and and uh, Jamie Ben ran out the clock. But they they made the stars sweat a little bit at the end there. But let's talk about big picture with this Seattle Kraken team, Frank. This is a team no player makes more than $6 million against the cap. They relied on their depth. They relied on surprising a lot of teams this year. Is this a group that is building towards something and is building towards being a perennial playoff team? Or was this a flash in the pan for the NHL's 32nd franchise? It's amazing to think that this team was one win away from the Final Four and potentially setting up a matchup between the two most recent expansion teams. I think proof that you can win as an expansion franchise if the Golden Knights didn't prove that already with their trip to the Stanley Cup final back in 2018. But when you look at this Kraken team and, and you hit on some of the facets, the depth that they had, the contributions that they got, you know, I was saying in the regular season that I thought and really didn't give the Kraken much of a chance in the first round against the Colorado Avalanche because I looked at their shooting percentages. I looked at a number of, of different things that came together for this team, you know, a 40 goal season, sort of out of the clear blue sky for Jared McCann and, and some of the other really gaudy numbers for some of their players that their recent NHL history seem to suggest 
really wasn't duplicable, that you couldn't go out and do that again. Mm-hmm. I think we had a lot of these same questions about the Golden Knights after their run to the cup final in 18, saying there's no chance that that team, after all the career years that they had, could possibly do that again. And yet they've been in the mix the entire time. I think the big wish that I have for the Kraken as they've built you know, where they're heading and it's based on the draft and it's going to be with guys like Matty Beniers and in the short term, having some of these other pieces around, you know, in a very reasonable cap environment has been to just try and ice a competitive team in the meantime to get where they want to get to that they don't sort of change course. And I, I have a lot of confidence in Ron Francis, you know, that he won't be doing that, but you shouldn't be going out now and signing big ticket free agents, which this year probably isn't really that much of a threat with the free agent class that we have. I don't think they need a ton of change in order to remain competitive. I'm not saying they're going to be winning rounds every year, uh, but they're certainly going to be in the mix, and I don't expect them to divert from that. I think they also grew a lot, not just from the regular season, but in these playoffs. Yeah, I actually think it's funny. There's a few areas I always look at when we have these surprise teams to see if you know, I think it can be sustainable. How many guys had career years? Well, I mean, not like that many on this Kraken team. Daniel Sprong probably isn't scoring 20 goals in 66 games against, but like Oliver Bjorkstrand only scored 20. That's a down year for him. Like you look at that roster, they didn't have Andre Burakovsky for 30 some games. Like their forward group could be better next year just from guys being healthy and maybe regressing to the mean a little bit or positive regression, as I like to say on Owen every day. Uh, But also Frank, the goaltending was average this year. They were average in one goal games. Like, I don't know. It, it, aside from the shooting percentage, I don't think this Kraken team is going to regress all that much is my point. Well, and the thing is they work. Like their work ethic yeah. is up there with, you know, some of the best work rate teams in the league, Carolina and others. Um, that and they, they really seem committed to the idea that they can't get by with the help of superstars. So they know that everyone needs to contribute. And I think that's a pretty powerful message but only if everyone believes in it so um clearly they do and i think they've got a really bright future and it was really awesome to get to see seattle have a a taste and a view of playoff hockey because i think that's so important just in the marketplace itself especially after the year that they had last year and the other positive too as you said is the goaltending like grubauer was really just okay in the regular season it seems like he found his game again in these playoffs Maybe he can carry that forward into next year as he continues on this contract. Yeah, that is a uh, that's a very good point as well. A bounce back from him would certainly go a long ways. Uh, let's put a bow on round two of the Stanley Cup playoffs rank by picking our MVPs. And there are a bunch of really interesting names here. There are some superstars you could pick, but there's also a depth guy that really stands out in Jordan Martinuk. I'll, I'll let you go first. Maybe who's on your ballot and who's your number one pick for round two MVP? So round two MVP for me is the same guy that I'd have atop my ballot. And I think a big part of it is as each round, you know, it gets a little bit tougher to win. That should be weighted more heavily in your decision-making process. And reminder for everyone, Smythe is playoff MVP. It's not Stanley Cup final MVP. So with that in mind, uh, the guy that I'm focusing on is Jack Eichel of the Vegas Golden Knights. Not just leads the Golden Knights in scoring, but I also owe him an apology because at some point in the last few weeks before the playoffs started, I said on the DFO rundown that Jack Eichel is the NHL's most disappointing $10 million skater. And the reason I gave the skater 
caveat was because Sergei Bobrovsky is the NHL's most disappointing $10 million overall contract. Well, I mean, let me just eat a, a healthy dish of, of crow here because Sergei Bobrovsky is also at the top of many people's Con Smythe ballot after round two. But Eichel and what he's done so far in the playoffs has been incredibly impressive from an overall complete 200-foot game. Yes, he led the Vegas Golden Knights in scoring with nine points in round two. But he also got a healthy dose of both Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl going toe-to-toe with two of the best players on the planet and acquitted himself quite well for the Golden Knights. So Eichel gets his first taste of playoff action. And to do it and and not be overwhelmed by the moment and to do it and be your team's top contributor, which said a lot uh, to me, given how well Mark Stone and how big of a factor he was in round one, that Eichel is the guy that kind of stands clear above everyone else when I look at this Golden Knights team that has a legitimate shot to win the Stanley Cup. Yeah, the eichel Marchezo duo just absolutely dominated the Edmonton Oilers. We touched on Rupe Hints earlier as well. He would definitely be up near the top for me. We'll talk about maybe Kachuk Bobrovsky in a second with uh, George Richards here. But I'll give a little bit more love to Jordan Martinuk, Frank. I know we've kind of done it a little bit here. But if you're taking Eichel, I will go with the depth piece that surprised everyone. What? 10 points in round two, Frank? I yeah, mean, no, he's the round two MVP, but he's not an authentic Conn Smythe candidate, is he? No, no, not at all. I mean, I, if he puts up another 10 in round three, maybe we start to have that conversation. But I'm looking at only round two, and, and Martinuk would be my guy. Yeah, if, if I'm ranking who's most likely to win the Conn Smythe, throw Eichel at the top there. Maybe you do throw Sergey Bobrovsky up near the top there, and I think Rupe Hints would have a hell of a, a hell of a case as well. But if you're looking at the Canes, Frank, like if they were to go on and win the Stanley Cup, again, we don't know what goes on in the final two rounds. Like who on that team would you rank ahead of him right now? Aho? Yeah, probably Aho. I mean, that's that's yeah. it for now. Um, but no, I mean, your point is well made. I would agree that Martinuk was the round two MVP um, in terms of his impact. I think the best part about Jordan Martinuk has been that even he is kind of like, how this happened? Like he's, he's kind of like just shrugging like, yeah, this is all a little weird because no one expected it, not even him. Yeah, it uh, it was certainly something. Let's shift gears away from the playoffs for just a second here and talk about yesterday. It was locker cleanout day for the Toronto Maple Leafs, which meant media availabilities for both their head coach and their GM, Kyle Dubas, who was in a way surprisingly open, Frank. He talked so much about you know, the the impact this season had on his family and how he wants to consult with them without going forward. And we spent so much time over, I mean, let's be honest, the last six months talking about if things don't go well for the Leafs, will they have Kyle Dubas back? But what we really didn't focus on is, ben, I mean, the chance that Kyle Dubas maybe doesn't want to come back. And we talked so much, would he go to Pittsburgh, Ottawa? But he said yesterday, if it's not Toronto, it's nowhere for the next year. What stood out most to you about what Kyle Dubas had to say? And does this maybe change your thinking about what could happen at the GM position for the Leafs here? It doesn't really change my thinking. I mean, we've had, we, we learned two really important things and you touched on them, but just to highlight them for everyone. One is we know that Kyle Dubas isn't going anywhere else, at least according to him. Um, and two, we also learned, at least I learned that, and I've reported this you know, yesterday evening, is that the Toronto Maple Leafs, they, they want to have him back. So they made overtures to Dubas over the weekend. When he took the podium on Monday afternoon, 
he knew that the Leafs wanted to have him back. So it's not like he was sitting there pleading for his job or stating his case or anything like that. They've let it be known to him that they want to have him back. You're right. The hard right turn that was surprising was the family part that I don't think anyone truly grasped and or didn't know because I think it caught a number of people by surprise uh, in and around the Toronto Maple Leafs organization. So that part, I think, really opened some eyes. So it's the Leafs want Dubas back. Dubas isn't going anywhere else. But does Dubas want to keep working for the Leafs? That that was the curveball that really kind of um, surprised everyone. I wonder what's connected to that, though. Like, you heard him make an impassioned plea for Sheldon Keefe. So I wonder if that could be part of it. I don't think it's a financial leverage play or negotiation tactic because if your family truly is, and he seemed to get emotional, uh, if your family truly is stressed out, I believe he makes $2.5 million right now. If you're making four or you're making five, like, it's not going to make your family any happier. Like, he's going to be a wealthy man regardless. Um, so that part I think you can kind of push aside. But I wonder about Keith. And the other thing I wonder about is the autonomy. Well, we've mentioned before and talked about the, the friction that has been there at times between Brendan Shanahan and Kyle Dubas. Brendan Shanahan has been focused on a lot of things other than hockey recently, um, dealing with a lot of business side stuff for the Toronto Maple Leafs. But at the end of the day, as team president, he's always held the hammer and veto power on different transactions that might take place. That's part of the root of some of the frustration for Kyle Dubas. Will there be a change, if not a quiet one, um, in terms of how that's handled? Will Kyle Dubas be handed the keys to be able to make the decisions that he wants without any veto power or control belonging to someone else? So that's my guess in terms of what's happening behind the scenes. And I think you also have to take him at face value for what he said. But you can't really begin to figure out any of the rest of it, whether it's the openness that he expressed in trading one of the core three, because I'm going to exclude John Tavares, uh, whether it's, um, you know, the idea that, you know, other changes are necessary for this team or Austin Matthews and his next contract, you can't begin to chip away at any one of those things until you solve this first issue. And that's who's going to be managing the Maple Leafs. Certainly something to keep an eye on. You mentioned his potential willingness to move one of those core pieces. He said yesterday, quote, I would take nothing off the table as well, uh, or at all, I should say. Um, so could be an interesting kind of week here. As like you said, Frank, they're trying to clear that first hurdle in uh, what could be a busy offseason in Toronto. And they were sent into the offseason by the Florida Panthers, who are off to the Eastern Conference final. Let's dig into that matchup between the Panthers and Canes a little bit with a new edition of the All-32. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once, it's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. 
That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. George Richards from Florida Hockey Now joining us on Daily Faceoff Live with a brand new edition of the All 32. The Panthers are off to round three, George. But before we look ahead to round three, I want to look back at the first two rounds. Frank and I just dished out our round two MVPs so far. If you were to name an MVP for the Panthers through two rounds of playoff hockey, who would it be? Well, it's either Sergei Bobrovsky or it's Matthew Kachuk. I don't think there's any other options uh, for Florida. They've had a lot of got different guys chip in, but those two are the ones that have, uh, have, have kind of carried the Panthers, right? I mean, it was Matthew Kachuk. Um, who, who helped the Panthers get those wins in Boston in the first round. And it was Sergei Bobrovsky giving up two goals a game to, to the to the high-powered Toronto Maple Leafs in round two. So um, if we're, you know, e- each round has been different, but uh, Sergei Bobrovsky's definitely had a part in both of them, especially taking over for Alex Lyon in game four for the Panthers. George, you mentioned the importance of Sergei Bobrovsky, and I think the big thing that I'm wondering and a lot of hockey fans now as we get to the conference final is, can he sustain this? Like this this run, you know, he's had stretches before where he's played extremely well. Obviously, the pedigree is there with the, the Vezina trophies, but he hasn't shown this for any consistent or sustained period of time. Each series is different. There's no momentum game to game, let alone in series. Can he do this again? Can he backstop the Panthers to a cup? We're going to find that out, right? I mean, he's never done it. I mean, this is the first time he's ever been in a conference final as a starting goaltender. The the furthest he ever got was the year that Columbus uh, uh, surprisingly swept Tampa Bay back in 2019. So this is as far as he's ever come. So we're going to find out. I mean, um, you know, Florida is obviously playing some pretty good defense in front of him, clearing out some pucks, something that they haven't always done. Uh, So he's getting a little more defensive support than than what he's been used to in the past. Um, And and he seems just like a guy that's just in the moment. Um, You know, we haven't really seen this this side of Sergei Bobrovsky um, or you know it's just it just feels a little different with him I mean he's you know giving all the praise to his teammates and you know talking about what a privilege it is just to be here and all that stuff and then he goes out and he you know he makes 45 saves so he's been terrific for him I mean I don't, I don't know what 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 we can say I mean has, he's what 10 goals of, uh, saved above replaced I mean he, he's just been great um, especially in the Toronto series. And he came up clutch for Florida in the Boston series, winning game five with 44 saves in an elimination game for the Panthers. So if not for, for if not for Bob, the Panthers wouldn't be here. So It's been a privilege for Bobrovsky. The Panthers have also paid for that privilege, 40 million bucks to this point. Um, George, more so than that. You, more than that. You, yeah, you're right. It was a front-loaded deal. So, George, front when you look deal, at, yeah. He's got most yeah. of that money, yeah. Yep. So, George, when you look at round three, um, 
I, depends on how you view the Toronto Maple Leafs defense, but I, I think it's safe to say that to this point, this is the best defense core that the, the Panthers are running into, I think, in Carolina. They've got, in my opinion, the top decor in the playoffs um, and a big reason why they've gotten to this conference final. Florida's forecheck has been ferocious. It's been how they've made their living in these playoffs. You know, how do you think the Panthers are going to combat going against a, a better defense that can move the puck a bit more efficiently than some of the others? Yeah, yeah that's, that's going to be the key, right? Because Carolina kind of plays the same style that the Panthers want to play and have played, but Carolina's done it a lot longer and to a lot more success. Um, this is their second trip to the Eastern Finals, um, I believe since 2019. They, they've been on the doorstep here the past couple of years. They added a couple pieces here and there at the deadline. Um, this is a very tough, 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 tough task for the Panthers. Uh, I think a lot of people are like, oh, well, they beat Boston and they beat Toronto. Bring on the cup, and that's just not the case. This is a very good Carolina team that's been able to withstand some serious injuries that a lot of teams probably um, wouldn't have been able to, to withstand. So um, it's going to be very interesting to see how the Panthers handle themselves in this one. Uh, just quickly before we let you go, George, a little injury question here. We know this time of year everyone's playing through something, uh, but how are the Panthers looking health-wise? And with this time off they've had between rounds, is there anyone that's maybe close to coming back? Yeah, this is unreal, right? I mean, a week between a series, especially they played game seven in Boston and they were in Toronto the next day getting ready to play the Maple Leafs. Um, they really haven't had any real injury news. Uh, Ryan Lomberg, we believe, has a hand injury. He's back off the uh, no-contact list. He's ready. We believe he'll be ready to go game one if the Panthers want to change things up. I mean, you know, they've they've done pretty well with, with Ryan Lomberg out of the lineup. Do you want to mess with it? I don't know. Um, but he's 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 available to the Panthers. I, I think the biggest thing is Carolina's injury news is, is more so than the Panthers. Yeah, with Tivo Teravine and potentially ready right. to go for this series as well. Uh George, looking forward to your coverage of the Eastern Conference final. Thanks for joining us today. Anytime. Thanks, guys. If you want to check out that coverage, FloridaHockeyNow.com is where you're going to want to go. You can also find George on Twitter at George Richards. Frank, let's dig into our daily face-off inbox question. Hashtag AskDFO, the Coyotes Arena referendum. What's the latest? Is this thing going through? Well, I just posted a big story on DailyFaceOff.com. If you haven't been paying attention, this is one of the most uncovered stories, I think, in the NHL. That's a big one. Uh, the arena vote is today a referendum to Tempe residents. It's three questions. Will it pass? Won't it pass? We'll have an idea of the mail-in ballots. You can only vote by mail-in ballot. They were actually due a week ago on May 9th. So we could hear as soon as 8 p.m. Uh, local time, which is 11 p.m. Eastern, uh, tonight as to what uh, the answer was on those referendums. And look, I, I don't know whether it's going to pass or, or what, but my sort of gut feel and, and the feel that I've had talking to a bunch of people uh, in and close to the situation, there's been a lot of rose-colored coverage, I think, of why this is great for Tempe and, and whatnot. Uh, there's been some cautious optimism, I think, from people close to it from the hockey side and the NHL head office. But 
there's been a real big push, I think, spending wise from uh, political action committees. I'm told a, a $1.75 million difference between the two, the Coyotes and their team have spent uh, $250,000 or less, NHL sources say. And the other side has spent almost two million bucks backed by high powered labor unions that are against this. And uh, they wanted to participate in the building of this project. I, I just don't know. So uh, there's also been a big anti-billionaire um, sort of you know wave that's kind of come across this country in general that I think is also uh, powering the no vote. I, I think, you know, my gut says that it doesn't pass. And the big question is for hockey fans, what happens if that happens? Because I think the NHL has been like a duck underwater, um, paddling as hard as and furiously as they can to try and line something up to move the Coyotes elsewhere. Um, I don't know how soon that's going to be, but if this is dead in the water as of tonight, um, you know, be prepared at some point, may not be for this next season, but the season after. You can't continue playing in Mullet Arena, 4,500 seats, and be a suck on league revenue without having a plan to go somewhere else. And even if this happens, you're still looking at you know three to four years before the Coyotes are playing in a new arena. To think that you can start over from scratch and it becomes five or six years playing in Mullet Arena, it's just not acceptable. So um, I just can't foresee a, an environment in which the Coyotes are staying in Arizona if this project is killed. So a lot on the line in Tempe. Yeah, and I think another thing that at least it jumped into my brain is you mentioned them playing maybe next year, but not any further after that. Look at what's going on in Oakland right now with the Oakland A's, Frank. I mean, it was announced that they're moving to Vegas. They had 2,000 people. That was announced attendance, not even like bums in the seats. Announced attendance of 2,000. You would hate to see the Coyotes have to go through something like that next season. Yeah, and I would say just as a pure factual matter for people whose eyebrows perked up, they'd say there's no chance that they're moving the Coyotes to play somewhere else next season. Let me remind you that the NHL has continued to take meetings in Houston and Salt Lake City and potentially Sacramento and a number of other places. Some of them have NHL-ready buildings. I, I think it's still far-fetched that the Coyotes are playing somewhere else as soon as next season. But it wasn't until May 31st, 15 days from now, back in 2011, that the NHL announced that the Winnipeg Jets uh, were, were relocating, sorry, the Atlanta Thrashers were relocating to Winnipeg. There's still some time. So uh, don't be surprised if the NHL has a contingency plan in place. I just don't know what that is. Oh, it is going to be very interesting to see how things unfold in the next 24 hours with the Arizona Coyotes. Let's move along to our daily bets for today, brought to you by Botano.ca. The game starts now with Botano.ca. Well, although the conference finals don't start now. They start on uh, on Thursday, Frank. So we got a couple of days off. But here's what Botano has for the live Stanley Cup odds. And it is actually wild to see just how tight this is. You think back to last year when it was the Avs and Bolts really setting themselves apart from their Eastern Conference final counterparts. Not the case at all, but I kind of like the dogs in this one. George Richards talking about what's been driving this Panthers team plus 325 for them to win a couple of rounds. They've knocked off a couple of really good teams so far. I kind of like the Florida Panthers at plus 325 on a futures bet to win this year's Stanley Cup. Frank, I'll bring you in on this one here really quickly. Out of those four, which one stands out to you? I, I would say the Panthers. I, I would also um, kind of lean towards the Golden Knights as well. Um, mm -hmm. 
I just like the Golden Knights in that series against Dallas. Still got to come up with a prediction. I'm, I'm leaning towards Golden Knights in six, but not confirmed yet. Let's wrap up the show with a little garbage time. What do you got? Yeah, speaking of the Carolina Hurricanes and advancing to the Eastern Conference Final for the second time in four years, the guy that's been behind the bench has also been a trendy Hockey Hall of Fame candidate in recent years. And as we're now five weeks away from the selection committee meeting and determining the class of 2023, we've had a great series of articles by Paul Paduti of Adjusted Hockey on DailyFaceOff.com and wanted to give a little love to his story today. It's not just cases for guys that might be going into the Hall of Fame, but his case today was kind of actually against Rod Brindamore. And that's not a knock. To get into the Hockey Hall of Fame, you had to be in the top 1.5% of all skaters ever. Does Rod Brindamore meet that type of criteria? And when you look at some of the numbers that Paul Paduti presented, including the fact that he didn't really begin to get Selkie votes until way later in his career as a 35-year-old, his adjusted pace of making all eras of hockey equal, including the 80s and some of the dead puck era in which Rod Brindamore played in, adjusts out to 25 goals and 40 assists for 65 points over an 82-game slate of his entire career. That's seven-year peak is 77 points in 82 games. And the highest he ever was ranked in terms of Paduti's rankings is the 35 best, 35th best forward in the NHL in any season. So when you take a look at it, Rod Brindamore, a compiler, I actually got that number wrong, it was 32nd best forward by rank. That was his best number. A lot of those numbers there, they're impressive, but they're not top 1.5% in the league. So when you take a look at that in terms of its totality, it's a really interesting case that he's been brought up more and more, but I tend to agree with Paul that he's just not quite there. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to see how the further away you get from a player's career and sometimes what they do after their playing career, how it can kind of shift the narrative around who they were as a player. So interesting stuff from Paul. His stuff is absolutely must read. So you can check out the full article at dailyfaceoff.com as you sit back and relax and try to enjoy a night with no playoff hockey. Uh, big shout out to Frank Cervalli, our technical producer, Alex Lard, and our friends over at Botano, as well as everyone on the Daily Face Off YouTube. Hit that like button and the subscribe button before you go, and make sure you tune in tomorrow, noon Eastern time, when we'll be right back here. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. All right, hockey fans, listen up, because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Face-Off Playoff Parlay Challenge, and let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.